I want to say welcome here today. My name is Pastor Todd, and along with my wife Jan, we are the lead pastors here at Eastside City Church. And again, I just want to commend you. I want to congratulate you, as Pastor Michael already shared. You're here today. Time Change Sunday, you are here. You made it. You survived last night on one less hour of sleep. I know that it doesn't seem like a lot, but man, I know that I look at the calendar, we mark it, we kind of, we loathe it, we know that this is the one Sunday that we're going to be surviving with less, but thank goodness, didn't the Lord just provide a beautiful sunny day today? Isn't that nice to see that sunshine in the, the sky? It makes you like, yes, spring is very, very close, it's upon us. Anyways, you guys are my champions, I want to say thank you for being here today, and again, it is just awesome to be here. Well, we are going to begin a new series today called This Is Us. I know it's a very popular show on television right now. Some of you are into it. You're waiting for the next season to be released. But here's really what we're all about here. Is again, there are just some things that you do as a family that are unique to your family. It's you. It's who you are. It, it, it's the way you do things. Some people have dinner every night at 5 o'clock. Others, it could be a little later, 6.37. Some of you, you know, you, you spend time, uh, uh, we have one night a week that's family night. Others, you do different things because we all do things differently as a family. Well, what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is our family. And we're going to be talking about This Is Us, a brand new series on generosity. Because why? That's just what we do here at Eastside City Church. We are generous people I believe this as followers of Jesus, we are called to lead the way with stupendous generosity, that our lives are to be generous. Why? Because our God is generous, because he has given us so much. And generosity is not something we do, this is us. It is who we are. We are generous people. It's a reflection of the life and nature of Jesus. Now, I want you to understand this, that giving and generosity are two totally separate things. Giving is what we do when it works for me. Hey, hey, if I got a, a little bit left over, I'll give to this situation. If I, if I got a few extra dollars in my pocket at the end of the month, I might be a giver. But a generous person or those that live under the blessing of generosity understand that their whole life is focused. Everything that God has blessed them with is used to make a difference, that God's given me what he's given me so that I can be a difference maker. Now, I understand this. We're talking about money today. People get uncomfortable when you talk about money, especially at church. Some of you are kind of going, you know, your bottom's puckering a little bit here. You know, I, I, I know that. I get it. I, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. Can't we have a little bit of fun in church here today? You know, well, there's a lot of things that are okay to talk about. We, we've talked about marriage. Some of you are like, Pastor Todd, that's a good subject, talk about marriage. Or how about forgiveness? We all understand, hey, forgiveness, part of what Jesus taught. Yes, talk about more about forgiveness. You know, it's okay even to talk about the seventh horn on the beast mentioned in Revelations. But for heaven's sakes, please don't talk about money. And my question is this, why not at church? Why not? As I said in our last series, I, I kind of just feel like I'm going from the frying pan into the fire. You know, we went from talking about relationships and sex and all of that, that, that everybody's talking about it anyways outside of the church. You know, there's Fred at the water cooler. He's got some great 
tips on what you should be doing to invest your money so that you'll make more money. They do. Everybody has opinions on stuff. You go to a family gathering. There's an uncle or a friend that they're talking about what they're doing with their resource. Maybe you should get into real estate or buy a new house or, or, or whatever it is. People are talking about these things. And I believe this, that our job is this, that we should be talking about it here in this environment. Why? Because I, here's what my heart is. This is what my desire is. And I believe this is what God's desire for you, is that you will experience the best in every area of your life. That God wants to give you greater freedom, liberty. He wants you to experience more joy. He wants it to overflow and abound out of your life. And I believe that a lot of these things are connected to our finances. Now you might be saying, well, uh, Pastor, I, I just, this, this is something I struggle with. This is something that's hard for me. In fact, I understand in the economy that we're in right now that things are challenging. That we're living in times where, where there's sometimes a, a lot more month than there is money. I, 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 I get that. And so maybe you're, you're not feeling that you can be generous, but today I believe God wants to help us. Amen? So here's two statements we're going to begin with. First of all, I'm going to say this. Most Canadians do not feel rich, but we are. Most Canadians don't feel rich, but we are. And here's this. Most Canadians think they are generous, but we are not. <laughs> Let's talk about the first one. We do not feel rich, but we are. You see, the problem that we face when it comes to our lives is that we compare ourselves to everybody else. We tend to compare ourselves or we look at those people that are incredibly rich. It's easy to do in a city like Calgary that has a lot of wealth. We look at athletes. We look at movie stars or, or the CEOs of companies. And we, we look at our life and we say, well, I, I don't have as much as them. But if we compare ourselves to the rest of the world, we are filthy rich. I, I got to just say that. You see, if you own one car, listen to this. You are in the top 9% of world, the world, wealth of the world. You're in the top 9%. Now most of us go to malls and we, we, we go to, you have these malls that have stores everywhere and we buy clothes, we buy whatever it is that we feel like we need or mostly what we want. And if we're honest, if we're honest, we have closets full of clothes that we don't even wear anymore. Things that don't fit us or things that we don't like. Or, or maybe if I went into your basement, I would find clothes and bags. And in fact, we got drop-off places all around the city where people take their excess of things that they have. Am I speaking the truth here today? <laughs> all right, good. We have a special house for at least one of our cars. Think about that. We call it a garage. You know, many of us can't park our car in that house because there's too much stuff filling it up. We sleep in a climate-controlled environment. You can adjust the temperature of where you're sleeping. And then when you have to get up in the middle of the night, we do our business in, this, in the bathroom where we push a button and our stuff just goes away. Kids like this. Most other people on the planet, their stuff stays with them. You see, we are rich. Is I, am, I, am, I, am I making sense here today? Now, here's where we are. We think we're generous, but we are not. 
Here's the stats about us. The average North American, the average North American gives 2.8% of their income each year to charity. 2.8%. And now some people are saying, you know what, Pastor, uh, you know, I, I, I get that, but if, if, you made, if I just made more money, I'd be able to give more. Well, here's the stats on that. If they made over $100,000 a year, the number goes down to 2.6%. The reality is, is that people that have more money tend to be stingier with their money. You see, that's not generosity. You see, the G, as Jesus followers, we're called to live differently. We're called to be different. And I believe that we're to live a life of generosity. Uh, Jesus taught in the Bible that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I remember many years ago, I, I, we were just talking to some people that 20 years ago, we took some teens, we were youth pastors at the time, on our very first missions trip. We went to Mexico, and it was an exciting time. They raised money. They believed God for, for uh, resources. And one of the things that we did, and one of the things I felt like God put on my heart, was I challenged each of the young people. I said, here, I'm going to give you back $100, and here's what your job is to do. You're to pray. And you're to ask God, we're going to be here for two weeks. I want you to ask God what you're to do with your $100. And so they prayed. And I remember each night we would have times of testimonies. And, and they would come back and they would begin to share. And these, some of them were like, hey, we were riding in the car with this, this lady and she needed new tires. And, and we all looked at each other and we said, let's buy her new tires. And, and, and the excitement and the joy and, the, and it, would, it just was filling up the room. Story after story. It was a living example of just the joy in being able to give more than you would even receive. But why is it then that maybe we struggle at times with this idea of generosity? Well, I believe the problem is, is we don't think we're going to have enough. We don't believe that somehow we're going to be able to take care of our needs, that, that somehow if we give money away or if we give to God that we're somehow going to lack in areas of our life. And it produces what I want to call, actually, I stole this from another pastor. His name is Pastor Craig Rochelle. He does Life Church, and uh, I believe it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He calls this the scarcity cycle. And here's what he says happens to us. First of all, God provides. We have to understand this, that, and we have to believe this in our heart, that God is the provider of everything that we ever could have. Do you believe that, that it's God that provides for you? You see, I believe that is a foundational truth. Now, we, then what happens if we get into the scarcity cycle is that we consume what God has given us. We spend it on what we think we need, on what we think is important. And now, I'm not here to say that we should never spend any money, but we consume first. Then what happens is we lack we begin to realize at times there's more the month than the money. And, and so then what happens is we begin to fear. We begin to have anxiety. And people literally lose sleep over the fact of finances and resources, what they do not have. It's one of the biggest causes of marriage breakdowns and relationships breakdown. The stress that happens due to finances, difficulties, debt, all of these things, it can be very heavy. And I know that there are some of you that are sitting here today that you're like, Pastor, I understand this so well. I've lived it or I'm living it right now. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants to help you. 
You see, you can say, I wish I could do more. I, I, I wish, I, I, but I just don't have enough, enough. And we go from paycheck to paycheck. And it robs from us. It robs our joy. It steals our sleep. And it's an all-out assault on our faith. That's the biggest one. It can begin to attack your faith. And I believe that's not how we're called to live. How are we called to live? Well, this is us. You see, because of what God provided for us, this is us or what we are called to do. And I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to look at verse 7. It's a scripture you've probably heard before, but it's a good one. And it says this in 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 9, verse 7. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. <laughs> You're like, that's kind of funny, Pastor. You're talking about giving at church today. I'm feeling a little bit of pressure here. But what God is saying is that we are to understand that we are to be people that are generous, but we're to ask God what he wants us to do, what he is asking us to do. And we're, and we're to learn to give not with out of obligation or duty, but as it goes on to say, you must, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You see, this is supposed to be an exciting part of our life. It is supposed to bring life to us. It is to help us. And I believe this happens when we have the right mindset, that we have the realization of how much God has blessed us, that we are blessed people, that even in our difficult times, we are still blessed. And then here's what it says in verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Here is the reality. God multiplies what we give. He is the producer of abundance. And I believe this more than anything, that God wants you to have an abundant life. He wants you to have an abundance in your finances. He wants you to have abundance in your relationships. He wants you to have a, an abundance of joy. He wants you to have an abundance of peace. The full measure of who God is, is he's a God of abundance. But how do we live like this? Well, we have to understand some things. In verse 10, he says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity inside of you, in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who are in need, they will thank God. So what we're hearing here is that we see that God is saying, I want to bless you. As you put me first, as you give to me, I want to bless you. And when we do that, it's a testimony to the people around us of how good and awesome and great God is. You see, the opposite of the cycle of scarcity is what I want to call the cycle of abundance. You see, here's what happened. God provides, and it produces a harvest of generosity. Well, how does it do it? Well, God supplies to us, most of us, every two weeks or twice a month. Some of us, it could be once a month that we get paid, whatever it is. I know that, I, that some people get paid every week. Whatever it is, God provides resources to us. And what he says that we're to do, if we want to live the way that he's called us to do, this is us, we give 
back to him. We give the first 10% back to God as an act of worship. We call it the tithe. And so here's what happens. We give, God multiplies what we have. Then our faith increases. You see, it's a, a new cycle that is birth. It's a new cycle of God provides, we give, he multiplies, our faith grows. You see, I believe that tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity. It creates a new cycle of supply. The Hebrew masar means a tenth. And it's a way that we honor God. This is us. Now, I know that there might be some people here today, and I get it. I've heard all of the different stories and teachings. I understand this. Some people say, Pastor, isn't tithing just part of the law? Isn't it just a law thing? Didn't when Jesus died on the cross, didn't it just break the fact that we're required to live by the law? Well, you have to understand some things. That first of all, the first mention of tithing was 400 years before the Mosaic Law was ever written. There's a moment where Abraham had conquered some enemies and, and all of a sudden he sees the priest Melchizedek and he comes to him and he gives him a tenth of everything that he owns. The first time that tithing is mentioned is 400 years before the law, way back. Then we go way forward, we go to the life of Jesus. We look at who Jesus is and, and, and so Jesus begins to say, on two occasions, he mentions, not only should you tithe a, a bit of your cumin and your spice, but he says, do not forget the more important things of the law, caring for the poor and the needy. What he's really saying is, don't, don't neglect this first part of it. You should know this. This is what we do. This is just how we are. But continue to be generous to those who are in need. You see, it creates a harvest of generosity. I believe that there are some powerful things when we honor God with our first fruits. There's power in the tithe. And I want to give you three reasons that I think that tithing is something that's valuable and something you should do if you're not doing it. First of all, it teaches us to put God first. Deuteronomy 14.23 says this in the New Living Bible, the Living Bible, I should say. It says, bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. Really saying whatever you have, God gets part of it. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Can I say it this way? God has to be first. <laughs> he deserves to be first. He's the creator of the universe. You see, it was the problem with Cain and Abel. I, last week I shared in my sermon on marriage and relationships about are we our brother's keeper? Are we to look after each other? Are we responsible for the purity of, of other people? We, we looked at that angle, but the, re, the reality of the story was it was about this, that Cain and Abel, one was a rancher, one was a farmer, and that they gave an offering to God. And God accepted Abel's offering. He blessed it. Why? Because uh, Abel brought the first and the best to God. He gave the first of his flocks, the best of his flocks. Where it says that Cain just gave some of what he had been blessed with. He, he gave something, but we don't know where it was. And it says that God was pleased with Abel's offering, but he was not pleased with 
Cain's offering. And what did it do? It produced uh, resentment in Cain's heart and he murdered his brother. It's a terrible story that has a lot of truth for us to understand. You see, here's the, the, the reality. I know that some of you are, if, are, are listening to me and you're saying, Pastor Todd, if I was to listen to what you're saying I, and I'm going to do what you're doing, it is going to require big changes in my life. Yeah, you, you're right. <laughs> well, this would, be, this would require crazy faith, Pastor. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I mean, I would, I, my mind is just getting blown here. I, I, I'd have to do so many things differently than I'm doing it now. Yeah, I know. Yep, it's true. I'd have to live differently. Yep, you're you're, you're getting it. (laughs) Because it would change your whole life. You see, it requires faith to give the first part. It does not require faith to give what is left over. It requires faith to give the first part. Matthew 6.33 says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then everything else will be added back to you. That's what the Bible says. So first we give because we tithe because it teaches us to put God first. Secondly, the tithe builds our faith. You know, there's only one place in scripture where the Bible says we're allowed to test God. It's in the area of tithing. God says, I dare you, I I double dog dare you to challenge me in this, that I won't come through, I won't provide for you. See what will happen if you put me first in your finances. Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 to 11 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Who wants to see the windows of heaven opened over your life? I know I do. I will pour out a blessing so great, you will not have enough room to take it in. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You have to understand that when Malachi was writing this book, His whole book is about ways that Israel had dishonored God. They dishonored him in their worship. They dishonored him in their giving. They dishonored him with their idolatry. And here he's saying, test me in this. Give your first and your best. And he's saying, I will bless the rest. It's a principle. You see, I want to share this with you because it should encourage you. It should excite you. It's to motivate you to do even more because God has more and more than enough. And when we see this and we walk in it, it should transform our heart and be freeing and liberating for our life. Here's my story. How it's impacted my life. You know, I'm very thankful for my mom. Single lady, raised two kids all by herself for most of her life. Incredible woman, incredible woman. Now, she did not grow up in the church, and neither did we, except that when I was 11 years old, there was a momentous changing event that impacted all of our lives. My mom became a follower and a disciple for Jesus. She went all in. I've talked about this. We went from never going to church to living at the church, We went to every single meeting that you could imagine. We attended 
Bible studies for, for seniors. We did all sorts of things. We, we were at everything, whether we should be there or we couldn't be there, it didn't matter. We were there. My mom then put us, the day before school was going to start, start, she changed our whole world. She decided to put us in the Christian school. I was not happy about her choices or her decisions. And then when it came to tithing and giving, I know that she immediately started giving at least 10% of what God had blessed her with. How do I know this? Well, I had a business. I, when I was 11, 12 years old, I had a lawn mowing business. I've talked about this. I did at least 10 lawns a week. And I made between 25 and $40 a week. Come on. This is in the 80s, folks. I was rich. I was a tycoon. I, I, I was the Mac daddy that, that was over all of my friends. I mean, I owned the candy store. Because you could still get candy bars for 25 cents. I, that life was, it was good. I was 12 years old. I was like the godfather to my friends. They were like, yes, I will bless you with the Snickers bar. That's right. And so then when it came to my mom, giving was just not an option. You know, I lived under a totalitarian regime. She didn't ask my opinion about nothing, and so she saw I was counting my money in the back, and I was like, oh, things are so good. And she goes, all right, son, so you know you're going to give 10% of that. Let's figure out what 10% is, $44. She goes, you should just round that up to five because it'll honor God. I was like, ah! I initially didn't want to do it. You see, there was a reason for that. I understood Scarcity. I grew up on in government housing. We were on welfare. We lived off of food stamps that the government provided. There was a lot of times that we didn't have a whole lot. I remember a week where we ate for breakfast and for dinner, and the only thing that saved me from eating it for lunch was that the school government program provided a hot lunch for me that I had to eat the same box of cereal for a week. And I was used to not having stuff. And now all of a sudden I had a little bit of money and I, I wasn't really that excited about giving it away to God or the church at that time. I was just like, oh my goodness. But you know, I sit here today. I'm so thankful for what she did. I'm so thankful for what she taught me. I'm so thankful for what she even kind of pushed me in because I, here's some great things that happened in my life. I don't know how I did this, but I went through college debt-free. I, I, I can't explain it. If I do the math, it doesn't make sense. But somehow at the end of it all, I was like, oh, I don't know anything. <laughs> wow. That's pretty amazing. When Jan and I got married, we decided as a couple that tithing would be part of our lifestyle. It would be our choices. And I, and I, and I got to say this. I mean, I, I, I grew up in some interesting seasons of time. You know, I've never, ever in my life been without a job, ever. And we were tested many times in our faith with the decision of whether or not we, were, we would give, whether or not we would give first. It, it came down to sometimes, and I'm telling you when the rubber meets the road, is well, are, are you going to buy groceries or give to God? Are you going to put gas in your car 
or give to God. And I remember sometimes we'd wrestle with this, and then all of a sudden we were like, all right, here's the check. And we'd be like, oh, Lord, here you go. And I'd go to the store because now all I had was either I was going to get some food or gas, and I know that I couldn't eat gas, but I could eat food. So we were at the grocery store, and I'm no word of a lie. This happened so many times that we'd be we'd get out of the car, and I'd be like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm walking into the superstore, and all of a sudden a $20 bill goes, Oh, um, look around. No, nope. Jan, we just got 20 bucks. I guess there's our gas money for the week. God, you know. We'd be driving. I, I can't tell you how many times my wife could verify. We'd be driving, all of a sudden I'd be like, hey, Jan, do you see that? There's some stuff in the snow. Get out of the car, there's $50. Nobody else around, nobody anywhere. God, this doesn't make sense. You don't always make sense. Your math doesn't make sense to me. All I can say is, God, thank you so much for your provision. You know, there's more to it. Today, I I stand before you. My wife and I, we're debt free. Our house is paid off. I don't know how. I'm a pastor. I know that some of you are like, some, somebody might be sitting here today, I knew it, you TV evangelist, you church guy, you're just, you're just raking in the dough. Well, please tell me when that happened, because I missed that day. But I can tell you that God can take our little and do a lot. That God can multiply what we give to him. He can make it do things that you can't even imagine when you put your faith and your trust in him. And so people want to tell me, well, I don't believe tithing. Or I, I don't have any other answer for you. My testimony is that God provides when we put him first. See, God is never out of resources. God never doesn't have stuff. And he's just looking to do great things if we would only put him first. Lastly, when we give, it provides for the work of God's people. Well, what about God's people? Well, I talked about me and, uh, and the people here, but you know, there, it allows us to help people who are in need. I can't tell you this year how many people we've helped with utilities and rent and things that were at their very last moment. They're just like, they're gonna shut my power off and God, because of the, the provision of people, the generosity of people, it's allowed people to Keep moving and keep going. Some of you have benefited from that. We paid the tuition for our school for some of the single moms, some of our single moms that are just working so hard, doing two, three jobs. With the, like I said, they're struggling, but we've been able to help provide for them because of the generosity of people that are here. It's provided a van and other resources. Some of you may not even know this. In our first service, we've got a whole crew now that are coming from the seed that are getting involved in our church, men and women that God's touching their life and changing it. Why? Because somebody is generous. It allows us to invest in missions all around the world. I want to tell you some good things that are happening because God provides for the work of the ministry. We are now in the process of building our fourth children's home in Haiti. 
to deal with slave kids, to deal with, to deal with those who are being rescued out of abusive situations. It allows us to be a part of feeding children in schools in the Philippines. Lunches and breakfasts that don't have any money for food, but we're able to provide for them and help them. We're sponsoring students in Zimbabwe to go to school so that they can have an education, so that they have an opportunity for their life to be different than it's been. We're buying houses in Cuba and converting them into churches right under Fidel Castro's brother's nose. We're, we're seeing the gospel of the Lord going forward. Why? Because this is what happens when we combine our resources together. When I put what God's given me with what God's given you and we multiply it, God does amazing things. You see, God blesses it when we honor him. And I say this because of what Jesus has done, in, done inside of us. This is us. This is what we do. This is who we are. And I have this question. I'm going to invite Margo to come up. We're going to wrap this part of our service up. I'm excited. We're going to have some baptisms here today. I love baptisms. I love seeing people make decisions to say, Jesus, you're it. I'm surrendering my whole life to you. But before we do that, I keep saying that I believe that we've always been a very generous church. And some of you live the life of the generosity cycle. This is us. This is who we are. But my question is for others of you. Maybe you're not walking in this. I say this is us, but I'm asking, are you a part of us? God wants to bring you into a deeper understanding of walking together with his people, being involved in what he's called us to be involved with, but putting him first in every area of your life. Maybe today you're living in the scarcity cycle. Maybe you're battling with things. Maybe you worry about money all the time. Maybe it troubles you and you're trying to figure everything out and God's saying, I want you just to trust me. And so today I, I say it again, I dare you, I double dog dare you to test God in this. Give him a few months where you put him first and don't you see what God might do in your life. Because I believe it. I'm not just preaching something that I think is a good idea. I believe this is truth. And it's transformation.